0: Welcome to the Savage Beast Podcast. Uh, I'm Joe Gallagher, and with me uh, is the the Alex Jones of this podcast,
1: Paul McLeod. That's horrible. I really wanted to be the Billy Corgan of this podcast. That's okay. Well, I don't know. (laughs) Hopefully neither of us is the Alex Jones of this podcast, because that guy's a fucking moron. Um, Uh, So... I should say, <laughs>
0: uh, Paul. We started. We started with a track by Prince, R.I.P. Uh, yeah,
1: we should. Uh, we should start saying the dates we record these because we're actually catching up to real time now. It's Sunday. In case, yeah, it's Sunday, April twenty fourth. In case the listener was not aware, we had a few of these banked before we started posting them, so we've sort of been a uh, uh, time warping backwards as we post them. But now. Now we're trying to do a topical news podcast. We can
0: respond to the death of musical legends and icons in real time at mm-hmm. last.
1: So so go murder some musical legends and icons oh so we my can God. respond to their deaths. Uh, <laughs>
0: as you can, I mean, he- don't really. <laughs> as you can hear, we're just broken up by the death of Prince here. Yeah. Can't even joke about it. Can't even joke
1: about it. Um, no. That was now uh, three or four days ago, and I think uh, the world is still talking about it, pretty much. It has replaced, as you said, the death of David Bowie as the cultural event of the year. Yeah. Do you think David Bowie would be bummed about that, or is he like, yeah, whatever? I think he'd be
0: fascinated uh, by it, and uh, I think he'd say, it's a strange, strange world, baby.
1: (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Um, Anyway... So, Joe, oh, go ahead. You go ahead.
0: I just want to point out to our listeners that uh, that uh, uh, just now, Paul listened to Raspberry Beret for the first time in his life, apparently. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I did not recognize it. A lot of times you go amazing. back and you're like, oh, I knew this song. I just didn't know what it was called. But no, I don't think I'd ever heard so that.
0: So we were all witness. You were all witnesses uh, to to Paul's. Uh, baptism by,
1: by Prince. Um, yeah. Well, that's not true because my real baptism by Prince was listening to pop music on my Walkman in the mid nineties. There you go. And you know, there would be a lot of, um, there would be a lot of, uh, you know, uh night at the Roxbury type dance music on there. Yeah. 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 You know, and I miss you like the desert, miss the rain and all that. And, um, or what is love? Wonderful songs, all. Anyway, um, so then something like uh, uh, Get Off or uh, uh, When Doves Cry would come on, and I'd be like, what is this? Clearly, this is not, you know, it sounded way out of place compared to whatever, you know, the 95% of whatever else was playing on. But at the same time, a song like When Doves Cry is so immediately awesome that... uh, uh it's cool that it's so weird compared to what your juvenile mind has been listening to so far.
0: Very true. Um, And I like, I don't know. I have to say that um, I feel like I'm more familiar with Prince's influence than with his like work itself. True. Um, I could probably talk longer about like how he was important uh, for, uh, you know, popular music and its evolution than I could about, the detail, really about any of his albums or, you know, songs beyond his like most popular five or six songs. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. You know, I, uh, I tweeted a link via our account. I don't know if you saw it to, uh, uh, what's his face? <sighs> Shit. <laughs> All of a sudden my <laughs> mind has gone blank. Um, famous music critic for the Village Voice who's been going since the 70s. Oh yeah. Robert, uh, Robert Chris Yeah, Yeah, obviously. Sorry. I'm really horrible with names. Uh, even people whose names I obviously know. Anyway, I tweeted a link to his page of capsule reviews of Prince albums and they're all fascinating just to see. Um, I don't know. You can see what a, what an eruption he was onto the music scene through that, you know, even for a sort of countercultural figure like Robert Chris he's, uh, uh, as a mainstream pop musician, he's still able to really reach people like that. So that was cool.
0: Why do you think that we know, we maybe know and care a little less about Prince than it seems like any people from generations, even before or after us, I mean, is this the same thing where we're like, uh, like growing up listening to like alternative rock and grunge, it's just anti, we were yeah. anti-pop.
1: Yeah, I think that's part of it. I mean, for a long time, I certainly would have somebody would have been like, "Hey, you want to go back and listen to Prince?" I would have been like, Pff. "Um, but that, I mean, that stopped being the case a long time ago. I've certainly been willing to listen to Prince for quite a while now." Um, you know, there's also the thing where he changed his name to that symbol and right. mostly what what I remember about Prince is everybody making fun of him for that like really hard. That did happen um, at a
0: pivotal time for us.
1: Yeah, that was right when I was starting to listen to music really. Yeah. Um, so, um, and you know, now I think back on it as like, well, it was goofy, uh, in a sense, but, um, I would like to live in a world where doing something like that is not on its face, a reason for, uh, everybody to dismiss and mock you. And on the same, by the same token, he seemed like a smart and self-aware enough guy to know that people would think that was dumb. So, uh, I applaud him for being willing to do it in the face of, uh, The obvious public scorn to come
0: yeah i mean i feel like i have just have such a strong memory of him being consistently mocked and shamed Mm -hmm. and ridiculed for that as you know you know like uh sort of a you know a sign that he'd gone crazy uh or that he had lost his edge or anything like that and now I, i agree with you completely it's like that was wow that was you know for a you just imagine Beyonce changing her name to a symbol and saying, you know, yeah. refer to me as, you know, the goddess.
1: Um, <laughs> I, I mean, people I, do that anyway. They but, do. Yeah. <laughs> they do.
0: It's just it's it was incredibly bold. And I don't know. I mean, I think it's certainly I'd certainly um, at this point, it's kind of an impressive upper bound for what a popular uh musician can do uh in terms of that uh, weird is weirdness the right word, or um,
1: yeah, no, I will say I wouldn't be totally shocked if like Kanye did something like that, true, true,
0: yeah, but I mean, you're saying that that, that even I'm saying Prince established that upper bound yeah. right now and he he maybe still has
1: it, you know, yeah. for you Ka- know. He was sort of Kanye without the like, um, Kanye without the uh, the rampant self centeredness is how I yes. would describe Prince's approach to things. Well,
0: yeah, I mean he has Kanye's confidence and none of his um, need for affirmation. Yes, uh, exactly. Um, which is a powerful exactly. thing, and also a yeah. thing that made Prince a, a lot more distant than some of some of these artists who sh- have similar levels of. Uh, yeah, I, you know, brag, braggadisio, <laughs>
1: Bragad- braggadocio. I, thank show. you, something like
0: that, right? We'll pretend that you, you, you know, we'll pretend I said that word, right? Yeah, um, ridiculous. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, yeah. I guess the other Prince experience that is central to us is that mm-hmm. as. Um, his song "1999." I mean, that was our senior year of college, and that song yeah. was on all the time, and maybe also colored my experience of Prince a little. Um, yeah. Uh, in that, um, I don't know. I felt cut off from how like all the interesting parts of his music um, by kind yeah. of having to be by having like the pop side of it forced upon me. Um, Yeah. By circumstances.
1: It's true. Um, You know, like I said, the more uh, melodramatic Prince stuff, like uh, When Doves Cry, is immediately affecting, I think. But uh, some of that pop stuff maybe didn't quite reach through the the culture of music we were raised on. So I actually intend to go back and listen to his music, which is... um, uh, more difficult than um we are accustomed to in this day and age uh because he wasn't real big on uh spotify and so forth which is his right i have no uh no real beef with that per se um but i, I i'll i'll definitely try to explore and uh, yeah see if i agree with the deification
0: yeah we'll have to we'll review uh we'll give our opinion on purple rain <laughs> in a later <laughs> podcast the definitive review.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Uh, people may not like it, but if we're not willing to say what we think, then uh, we should just stop.
0: Well, so I had, I have one, I have one, I have one last weird yeah. Prince thought, and then I was
1: going to say when you started to say the other seminal experience uh, for us of Prince, I thought you were going to bring up the Dave Chappelle skit. Ah,
0: that. yes. <laughs> Which uh, is awesome. It is. It is. But didn't it kind of fit my view of him as like you know it 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 reinforces how weird he is uh mm-hmm. in an awesome way but not really doesn't really talk about how he's like you know one of the most
1: important yeah. pop musicians of all time that's um, true that's yeah. true yeah. anyway go on with your story or your point no well here's a I mean, like, here's
0: a random question for you i mean do you think that <laughs> My wife shared with me something she read um to get mm-hmm. very hipster with you um that uh sh- that um uh you know the way David Bowie was important to weird white kids um especially those interested in music Prince was you know in very important to weird black kids and that yeah. he gave them a role model um and that just made me think of I mean, people like You know someone like Russell Westbrook like his amazing like kind of Mm -hmm. you know hipster strange style or even as we'll talk about soon Beyonce and how you know the weirdness of her videos I mean I feel like Prince everywhere you see um that in kind of you know I don't know, he, he, he I feel like his influence is in a lot of African-American art, uh, especially like yeah. in popular culture, um, and it's really interesting to think like, huh, like a lot of that may have come, you know, the license for that may have come from him, and the, you know, the fact that he was so uh, brave about it at a time when he was like, I mean, he was kind of mocked for it for a decade, as you know, yeah. I see now, um, uh And, um, it's, I don't, I don't have really any opinion about that. I just found it an interesting, um, facet of what he did. Yeah.
1: Well, I can't respond to that article because I haven't read it. Exactly. Right. There you go. But, um, on that thesis, um, as you've stated it, um, I don't know that there, you know, at least, uh, mainstream black music, I think in the time since Prince was popular has really been about hip hop and originally more of a sort of, a, you know, definitely a um, uh, a life on the streets gangsta version of hip-hop uh, was really what we grew up on in the aftermath of Prince. And, you know, I don't see that much Prince in that. Maybe I'm missing it. But um, uh, I don't know. He feels a little bit more to me like um, uh, sort of a, a crystallization of a lot of different – of black rock you know like sort of Jimi hendrix guitar stuff and black soul uh along with uh pop um that uh you know in a way if i you know we've just talked about how i don't actually know his music that well but my impression of it is that he's sort of uh he's sort of almost um summed up a lot of trends in black culture that were then uh eclipsed to some extent by um, by Sam, you know, hip hop, which is more about samples and, um, an entirely different vocal approach. Um, uh, so I don't know. Um, we should definitely go back and assess this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's interesting that, you know, he's more of someone who's preserving like some older styles of art, even in an Mm -hmm. era when they have been, um, superseded by, by hip hop. Um, and you know, there are, and I mean who knows maybe that there are uh artists even I, I think in recent years I That's felt true. like now Yeah before of course,
1: lately in yeah. indie circles especially.
0: Yeah, but I mean I, I feel like in the past couple of years that, you know, we got to this point with Prince where you know, I was seeing reviews of his new albums in a way and they were treated in a way that I felt like he'd kind of come out of this like mid career he's just weird phase to the point where he was like kind of respected elder artist and people were yes. looking at his art that way. Um, and of course that's now been, uh, magnified times a hundred.
1: Yeah. Huh? Well, that's a lot of, that's a lot of uh, discussion of a guy whose music we respect, but don't know that well. Right. So <laughs> which is, which is impressive.
0: It's impressive. Yeah.
1: Um, all right. So what was next on our docket, Jill?
0: Well, should we talk about uh, the new Beyonce album?
1: Let's talk about the new Beyonce video album experience. Yes, Lemonade. Um, Mm -hmm. I I
0: had the chance to listen to it and watch most of the video. Have you experienced it yet?
1: I have experienced zero of it, although I did read several reviews to um, try to prepare myself. Um, I'm sorry, I moved a whole bunch of shit this weekend. So... uh, Last night I was watching basketball, and I wasn't about to turn off that excellent Portland Blazers game uh, for an album I could listen to later. And um, today I was uh, moving shit around, large objects. I see. But (laughs) (laughs) I I do have thoughts about the reception of Beyonce, and I want to hear your thoughts about the actual music first.
0: Well, I mean, I'll start, I'll, I'll do it in the order that I experienced it. I listened to the album first. The album is fantastic. Um, it is, um, you know, perhaps the best example of the discovery that while, you know, pop, a well-written pop song is maybe not that hard to find that, you know, if you put that much, uh, care into the originality of its production, uh you could create something that is um just pretty fantastic uh to listen mm-hmm. to um and um I, you know the album you know the album is kind of it's, the, it's there's a lot of sparse beats and sounds um it's very focused on her voice um there's one country song uh which is amazing uh it's just like mm-hmm the best country song I've heard in a long time. Um, and it's, it's powerful and is actually kind of for me, like weirdly more powerful because it's so aware that it will be a huge fucking deal. Um, mm-hmm. And that it's every lyric will be deconstructed and um, uh, embracing that instead of running from it is um, it, you just can't not listen to it. Um and you know obviously as as people are talking about how it's, you know supposedly about Jay Z and cheating on her and their marriage you know just the fact that she obviously knows that and will sing towards that and create what then I saw the when I saw the HBO special is like this really beautiful kind of um I don't know if you want to call it an album movie or a concert movie it's kind of like in between I I, I don't know um. It's more like the wall than it is like Stop Making Sense Mm. or something, you know, Um, in that there's a lot of uh, um, extremely highbrow direction, art art direction and production to it. Um, And uh, to do all that in, you know, in the absolute middle of the mainstream um, is pretty, pretty arresting uh, for for the average listener like me. Um, so I was impressed by um, cool. how good and um, big it was.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm impressed with what you just said, and I'm glad that I'm doing a podcast with you and not the internet because <laughs> you went on for a couple minutes there about the music specifically before you got into the um, politics and celebrity tabloid uh, aspects of the experience. Because my impression of Beyonce's reaction for a while now and of this as well, just looking, reading through, the, I read the whole reviews from the New Yorker and the New York Times and Vox and I uh, scanned some others, is that it's really about 40% of the reaction is about uh, the politics of Beyonce and 40% of the reaction is about the TMZ celebrity um, uh, criminology of it and 20% is about the music itself, which is fine, if that's what you're interested in, but um, I personally am mostly interested in music, um, you know, so uh, it's just funny to me that that this is, it's, it's a little bit sad to me that the main way our culture relates to uh, possibly its large, biggest music star is not really about her music per se, so Um, it's good to hear that the music is good. And I intend to find out, uh, for myself, whether I agree with you. Um, so yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about Beyonce and her relation to the public? (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Not. Yeah. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that they're wrong to think about it that in those terms. I just, uh, I don't know. Music is really important to me and I wish that, um, that the music itself were a bigger deal.
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's a, It's a curse um, or that I guess in our age, you know, if music is meant to be art, Mm -hmm. it has to either embrace or reject popular culture. Like it it can't it it has to like be, you know, have some relation to it um, instead of just, you know, you can't you can't exist outside it without rejecting it. You can't like kind of exist in it without embracing it and like, you know, talking to it. Um, And uh, that's, I mean, that's kind of, I say that like when she, when she created this, she accepted that that would happen and incorporated it. So, I mean, I Mm -hmm. guess now at this point, if people are talking about that, like it, you, you can't say, I just don't think there's any like reality where people aren't talking about that as a major portion of the album. Like it's like politics and it's like personal, you know, uh, tabloid drama and um, Mm -hmm. everything in between. Like that's just, it's just part of how it's going to be considered at least in this like contemporary time. I mean, hopefully, you know, if it is, if it is good enough to, 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 you know, stand the test of time that will fade. But um,
1: um, yeah, I mean, that's my point, though, is, you know, I suspect that there are, you know, I bet in the 70s when Mick Jagger released an album or the Beatles released an album, the first thought wasn't like, well, what does it say about Paul McCartney and his girlfriend? <laughs> well, the first thought was like, does
0: this album mean Paul McCartney is dead? <laughs> they,
1: were they were just a lot weirder. <laughs> they were a lot of
0: weirder with their, you know, their theories back then. That would be a lot better if this album was like uh Beyonce and Jay Z both dead. Is that we should start that rumor that this is like their posthumous album.
1: Uh, uh, Solange is wearing a skin suit. Oops. Yes, CGI is a
0: beautiful thing. Um, oh man, uh, but uh, I don't know. I I, I guess I, it's what would it mean if this this exact album was released by somebody? Uh, who was anonymous, you know, prior yes. to this. That's uh, a good question. <laughs> I would say that the album probably like, oh man, it's hard to, it's, I kind of want to say that maybe I, it wouldn't be as effective. Uh-huh. And I don't know whether maybe that's sort of a little bit of a flaw with the album, well uh, or it at might least help this, you, this approach to cre- to crafting an album we'll say y-
1: yeah it would certainly help you now i mean to some extent obviously you can't divorce a work of art from its context like that um but it does help you maybe assess the non-celebrity aspects of the album you know um which again uh we'll see i you know i did like um uh, the music on uh, of, uh, sorry, what was the single she released around the Super Bowl? Uh,
0: Formation.
1: Formation, yeah. Like, that's a pretty cool song. Um, yes. Maybe not, uh, again, though, the reaction there was mostly about the politics and the video, um, which, again, if that's what you're interested in, that's great. It's just not what I care about the most. Um, so, um, uh, um, yeah. I'll definitely listen to this album and yeah. I will, I, I promise we'll be able to talk about, uh, talk about it <laughs> two ways. Uh, yeah. Next time we, we well, talk. Well, I have two, okay. I have two, two questions, two, one comment, one
0: question about this album. The comment sure. is, I mean, I think in some ways I agree with you that, you know, I would like to be able to listen to a Beyonce album without feeling that, you know, I I need to think about the, um, uh, uh, the Wesley Morris New York times magazine think piece that accompanies it like that. And that's, I mean, not that's like, he's a great writer. It's not just picking him because he happened to do one about formation. it's like that. I would love to be able to consider it uh, without maybe the, it's not so much the pop culture, but the internet culture. Mm -hmm. Like if we could cut that part out of it, where I need to be up on all the, on all the takes about Mm -hmm. this or anything, um, which is maybe different than knowing about its like cultural con I don't know but you know I guess I'm saying I wish it had a, a cultural context where the culture didn't involve <laughs> it you know the internet
1: yeah well, and you just get the impression when the internet reacts with total ecstasy about something like this you get the impression that there's a little bit of a, uh just a a self-replicating meme aspect to the way that people just get so excited about it mm-hmm. that may or may not correspond to the merits of the work itself. So Beyonce, it would be nice not to, not to have that going on.
0: <laughs> here's what I'll say. Beyonce is the $1,000 ticket to Hamilton that we've all purchased, except instead of paying a $1,000 in money, we've paid it in time on Twitter. And so we're, <laughs> we are then forced to say, it is amazing and the most you know transformative
1: yeah. experience just as we yes. would if we saw hamilton for $1000 lots of capital letters and um the word yes yes
0: um wait i had a question oh what if radiohead mm-hmm. ha, ha, what what if they released an album like that
1: like this album like what would that like, look like is it like if Tom were just talking about how Rachel broke his heart or something. Yeah, I mean, I guess is it possible? I mean, well, so would
0: let's we say hold that them to the same standard in any scenario?
1: Yeah. Okay, so that's that's a very good thing to ask. We should we should interrogate ourselves in that same way. Yes. Um, and um, I would think and hope, uh, at least hope that my reaction would be. You know, I'm not saying Beyonce can't write an album about her relationship to her husband. That can be, of course, an incredibly powerful source of art. Um, And um, you know, for instance, uh, Carol King's Tapestry was mostly about her um, (laughs) her hatred of her husband, and it's a great album. Yeah, (laughs) yes. Um, So I'm not saying you can't turn your personal life into art. I'm saying. Uh, And I'm not even saying she did anything wrong in this case. I'm saying the way most of the takes I was reading were, was like what they were interested in was, you know, what is Jay-Z and Beyonce's Pillow Talk actually like? Um, Uh, Not yeah, (laughs) Not like, is this album that takes from that uh, good in a musical? You know, is it, does it reach, you know, me? Um, Although there was some of that. Um, but, um, so, you know, I would hope that my reaction to Tom York, say, doing something like that, which is, you know, he hasn't really since Pablo honey or maybe the Ben's right songs like that. Um, but if he did, um, go back to that, uh, I would hope that my reaction would be to sort of, again, assess the, um, you know, the extent to which there is some, uh, some sense of the nature of human life and uh, the nature of the the world that escapes from the orbit of two particular people that I don't know (laughs) and how they relate to each other. Um, You know, uh, the intimate details of other people's relationships stop being interesting to me once it's the friend of a friend, pretty much. Right. And I would encourage everybody else to approach life that way. Although you, you do you. Um, so yeah, um, art can take from those sorts of things, but uh, I think to really transcend time and place, it has to. It has to. Uh, it has to synthesize something beyond that.
0: I I, I can't uh, I can't help but agree. And I think the next the next time I listen to the Beyonce album, I'm going to try. I'm gonna do everything I can to pretend I'm listening to a new Radiohead album. If that <laughs> if that doesn't sound too odd, I mean I'm serious. Just like yeah. in the way that I would approach it, it's like I do I try, but like it's it's something Oh, maybe actually maybe what I should do is the next time there's a new Radiohead album, I should listen to it the way I listen to a Beyonce album. That would probably be a
1: more interesting <laughs> exercise. I Useful. Yeah. We should well, I wouldn't actually, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't actually taint my experience of Radiohead that way. If it if it's going to do that to me, then that's to its detriment. Um, all right, so all you right. want to move to something a little yes. lighter before which is, we
0: before we start discussing about whether Beyonce is as good as Radiohead and like get into some, <laughs> the real a real mess. Um, yes.
1: Well, that's a question. I'll go ahead and say up front, there is no answer to. But yes. um, uh, so one news item that caught my eye this week was that. Hilariously, somebody is suing Kanye for releasing his music on Spotify and iTunes and Google Play and everything, um, specifically The Life of Pablo, after saying it would be a title exclusive forever, which... Um, this is just some this, jacker doing this, yeah, right? Yeah. Th- this is just some guy who, I guess he's... No, no, okay, yeah. He signed up for title, and now he's suing for title to... Uh, delete all the information of all the people who subscribed because of the life of Pablo, which is obviously they don't even know who did that before that reason and who didn't Um, to delete all their information because it was a false promise. But I just want to highlight the hilarity of somebody considering something that Kanye West says on Twitter to be a legally binding agreement. I mean, things that Kanye says, Wes says on Twitter are less likely to be true than things that nobody has ever thought or said, because <laughs> <laughs> it's Kanye. <laughs> He's a troll. He's like the world's most accomplished troll, and you're an idiot for making any commercial decisions based on something Kanye said. <laughs> Did you <I'm> just? Sorry. <laughs> you basically
0: just said that Kanye is less reliable than the Void.
1: Yes, I think that's true. Just I think utter,
0: utter nothingness <laughs> has a better record of, of uh, in a court of law, than
1: Kanye West. <laughs> exactly. This is a man who said Bill Cosby innocent earlier this year on Twitter. Uh, um, <laughs> you shouldn't. You shouldn't spend your money based on things Kanye says, people. In agreed. fact, uh, a recent podcast we recorded. We complained that we had not listened to the life of Pablo because it was not on anything but title yet, and that very night he released it elsewhere. And now I haven't
0: listened to it because I'm just too lazy and haven't gotten around to it. Even though well, you
1: I, should. I know, I know. I uh, listened to it this week, and it's real good. Um, I don't think it's quite as good as like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, but it's excellent. Oh, that's a and, tough part. um And as is typical of a Kanye album. The best parts are the parts where other people are doing things. Um, so the Chance the Rapper bit on the opening track is, as everybody says, excellent. And Kendrick Lamar rapping over a Mad Lib beat is exactly as awesome as I hoped it would be. It's incredible. And um, uh, I really hope someday there's a whole album of that. Paul, do you, probably won't be.
0: do you want to guess what the best minute or so of Beyonce's album is?
1: Is it when Kendrick Lamar is on (laughs) Beyoncé? Yes, it is. Yes, it
0: is. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. That's just. Uh, uh, It's so obvious. It is not the several minutes that Jack White is on the album. I'm sorry to say. Um, Oh, really? He's not bad, actually. Maybe I should. Maybe I should rewind that and say it is not the minute or so that James Blake is on the album. (laughs) Oh, really? I really like James Blake. I don't know how you feel about
1: him. I doesn't. Yeah.
0: I've. I. Well. I actually didn't. I thought found his album very interesting. Um, that first one that got all the buzz. I'm not sure if that's yeah. his first album, but um,
1: I don't. I don't know if I ever thought it was good. Uh, that's interesting. It really appeals yeah. to me. It's uh. it's the kind of soul music I want to listen to. In that it sounds like um, somebody sang it through Aphex Twin's brain, and then it uh, came out. Wow. Okay. Um, let me ask you real quick.
0: What do you so? now kanye apparently is going on to spotify tidal etc and updating the tracks of his um mm-hmm. of his albums of of life of pablo and of jesus like cha- changing things that he you know I didn't know he went back and changed jesus he did he changed at least one track on there um you know they're being a little sketchy he's being a little sketchy about whether you know why he did it or whether it's just you know but i mean it's 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 I, if what if an artist i, I knew did this like a, with an album that i really cared about it would drive me fucking insane <laughs> like i i need there to be like the canonical final version of the album and then like if you want to release some like remix or remastered or like reordered version later fine but like i need the like original one like I don't, that's just I, I go insane without that I don't know why yeah maybe it's a physical album thing where it's like no that album yeah that, like first print of the
1: album you know on my shelf that is the album uh-huh so that's interesting um especially because first of all I happen to know that you own Melancholy and the Sadness on vinyl which is uh quite different from the CD version um Yes, we could. Anyway. uh, Go ahead. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you can make your point if you want, because I'm going to move on from it.
0: Okay, well, I mean, that is... That's different in that, like, you could, you know... uh Uh-oh, maybe you've you've called... Maybe you successfully called me out here. (laughs) You found found a hypocrisy. Well, no, because, like, I think that there is obviously, um, you know, this canonical cd version of the album like it's uh-huh. it's not like
1: yeah so why can't you say that about the uh january the, 21st version of the life of pablo and the march 1st version of the life of pablo
0: i guess you can i guess it's because there's a lack of clarity about like what holds privacy and like when or whether they will like still exist almost mm-hmm. like i think i care more that they want that they you know are kind of it's so malleable, whereas like, yeah. you know, okay, there's sort of, you know, if there's like the CD version and then you released a vinyl version with like, you know, tracks interweaved and, you know, exchanged. I'm like, okay, that's, you know, um, uh, like a reinterpretation. It's not like this like ever evolving thing, um,
1: Yeah, which I should probably embrace, but
0: <laughs> instead I shake no. my fist at it.
1: Yeah. Well, he should put it on GitHub so you can track changes and mm. see what version happened when... But um, no, uh, I think it's interesting um, because, uh, in a sense of the uh, the medium is the message, the uh, you know mid twentieth century um, uh, sort of o- awareness among critics and artists that um, to a large extent um, the the way that you produce and Disseminate a work of art is um, going to be a really interesting part of that work of art. Obviously, there's some works of art where that's all that the work of art is about. Um, but, uh, you know, now we live in an era where our music is largely piped to us on demand um, from a service we subscribe to. And this is something we'll talk about in a future episode. Um, but um, as opposed to getting a sort of uh, one-time payload of it and uh kanye is in that sense sort of a revolutionary figure realizing that uh uh to the extent that every time somebody listens to the life of pablo they're re-accessing the data um and he has control over the uh the fountainhead of it um it can just be a living document it's uh it's the google docs approach to music man i like it i like that Um,
0: and, uh, I'll go ahead and say that I am behind the times. (laughs)
1: I don't blame you, you know, there's no reason that you, uh, but then I, I think you can still have that experience. You can say, all right, Kanye put it up on this date. Anything after that is not canonical for me. So, um, you know, you get to choose your own, you get to choose your own experience of the album this way, my friend.
0: I know it's, you know, it's funny because I have like Uh, like in in like fantasy and sci-fi I have a very expansive view of what's canonical like I really Mm -hmm. I really hate people that say like you know only like the Harry Potter books are canonical but like things JK Rowling like says in you know like interviews or like little texts she writes yeah continuing the story like those are not canonical at all I'm like of course they are they're like the author of the series expand you know so it's like you know I, Uh. I have I have this different view of it, except for music, where I want it to be very, like, limited.
1: Well, uh, no, I, I think there's actually, there actually is something going on here, in that, um, well, maybe not, but it seems to me that it's interesting that you would privilege the author's, uh, the author's proclamation of what is and isn't canonical, because I take the point of view that it is my, the listener's, point of view that determines what's canonical for me. I mean, obviously you don't give a shit what I think is canonical or not. Um, although I could make a case and maybe I could convince you. Um, see Paul, you're getting into headcanon and into fan
0: (laughs) fanon totally Uh, different. Totally different.
1: Yeah. 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 And my point is, I think fanon is necessarily all that can exist for you. Even if you decide that headcanon is what matters for you, that's your fanon, you know, right. You're choosing to outsource it. Yes. But ultimately, you can't escape your own responsibility for that decision. Um, hmm. How did we
0: get down the the Harry Potter road? (laughs) I don't know. Um, So um, I I like this. Speaking of meandering uh, to strange, uh, strange places, uh, this week we both watched... Uh, Parts of uh, Crazy Conspiracy Theorist radio host Alex Alex Jones's Mm -hmm. interview with Billy Corgan, uh, our personal rock god and savior. Um, Paul, why why is our favorite rock
1: star uh, a crazy right-wing conspiracy theorist? (laughs) So... I watched about 20 minutes of it. I didn't even get to the part that everybody um, aggregated all over the internet where he compared social justice warriors to the KKK, which is as is typical of these things. And as uh, maybe I'm falling into the Alex Jones, Billy Corgan mindset when I say that that's not exactly what he did. Um, But that's certainly a a clickbaity way to put it anyway. Um, I would say... um, Uh, I think it comes from a good place on his part. I don't think he's as crazy as Alex Jones, first of all. Um, so I watched, I I had never, (laughs) I had never listened. I had read a profile of Alex Jones before this, but I had never listened to or watched his show. Um, it was not terribly far off from what I imagined it to be. Um, you know, there was some anti-vaccination stuff at the beginning and, uh, I'm very pro vaccination, everybody. And um, then uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff where he says something I agree with, like uh, corporations want to control you and disenfranchise you uh, mixed with some insane shit like, um, uh, I, I don't remember which particular crazy right wing fantasies he spouted now. But, um, you know, take your pick of all of them. Um, so Billy Corgan, uh, definitely shares, uh, some of that. You can tell from the uh, from the interview, but I would say, um, a lot of times, uh, when I was watching it, Billy or Alex Jones would say something like just really inflammatory and insane. And Billy would be like, well, let's try to take a more charitable view of say the media or whatever. And it's obviously, it's obvious that Billy, uh, doesn't like contemporary culture and doesn't like contemporary media, uh-huh. but, um, he seems to be able to say it, uh, to express that critique in a more lucid and intelligent way without quite as much, uh, just sheer the lizard people are running the world type of stuff. More of a, um, what I think is a healthy skepticism of the ma- of the mainstream that people should always have. Um at at the same time, I'm you know, he's a little bit crazy for sure. Well <laughs>
0: It's just it's interesting to me that uh, you know, rock stars, I mean a lot you know, that he, you know, is now I mean he's in his fifties. Uh-huh. Um and, and man, is he looks a it rich, on the show. He's a rich, you know, 50 something um, mm. and is not really like, uh, how do I want to say this? He's not really like, you know, if, if he was not a rock star, like he would be just this, you know, grumpy old rich dude, like, and I, I just feel like we kind of forget that in the context of, like, his, you know, more radical, emotional... Just because he made some very confessional, emotional music in his 20s and early 30s. Um, And it's kind of... It's a wake-up call, Alex Jones, that, like, you know, that doesn't really have any connection to, like, your intellectual or political views of the world. Yeah. Um, Which is, it? I mean, it's just one of those things where it's, like... You know, Billy Corgan should could uh, share our exact experience of like being distraught that a girl didn't like him, and yet experience (laughs) so many other things about the world completely differently.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree. Um, My my impression was that Billy is not a full Kurt Schilling, uh, your crazy uncle, um, crypto racist. Uh, Trump fan psychopath more that he's a weirdo outsider who uh, has been uh, thoroughly bitten by the media over his career, partially through his own uh, surliness with the media. Um, But, you know, obviously has an antagonistic relationship to the media and the public in that, you know, he's also always seemed a little hurt that people don't just adore him. Um, But, um, I, I feel like his affinity for Alex Jones comes a little bit less from just agreeing with him on the empirical facts of the idea that Obama is um, turning our children into communists with fluoride or whatever, and uh, more to do with the fact that he, uh, he likes and respects people who uh, antagonize the mainstream. And... Um, so it's more of a spiritual than a political convergence, although there is obviously some political convergence between them. But maybe I'm just lying to myself. No, and, I, I th- uh
0: <laughs> I, I think you're right, and I think I think that combined with a healthy dose of Alex Jones is someone who will interview Billy Corkin for two hours, like straight. Uh-huh. Maybe the only <laughs> like person with a, even a slightly significant author willing to uh, audience willing to do that.
1: So yeah, yeah, and I mean, helps. I definitely. Again, maybe I was fooling myself, but I definitely uh, thought I sensed some, you know, just as Billy has some critical distance between himself and uh, the mainstream media or the hipster media, um, that he was uh, sort of slyly maintaining some distance between himself and uh, Alex Jones's insane right-wing talk uh, media as well, but... Um, again, I'll let other people judge for themselves on that question. I agree with that.
0: That's just what the chemtrails
1: have uh, poisoned you to say, Paul. That's true. If the chemtrails are working for Alex Jones, though, then they're really fucking up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, no, he takes
0: takes Alex Jones brand vitamins, so he's immune from the
1: chemtrails. Uh, And, you know, this brings us full circle because Prince was a big chemtrails conspiracy theorist, actually. That
0: is true. Well, wow. uh, uh. <laughs> that's chemtrails are one of the best ways to troll the general public. Like if you're in a crowded place, you just look up and you're like really serious, you're like, "Whoa, there are a lot of chemtrails today." And just don't don't laugh afterwards, and people are like, they're either worried about you or the chemtrails. They have to choose one. They cannot return to a state of, you
1: know, perfect calm. Well, yeah, the worst thing would be if somebody else was like, fucking A, man. I know it. <laughs> then you made it. Then you made a friend. Then you made a friend. That friend is dead Prince. Uh,
0: no, uh, it's so sad that our chances of becoming friends with Prince have gone from uh, nearly zero to zero. Um, yeah. that's,
1: that's too bad. I know, because um, he actually did seem like a really cool dude. He did. I read a cool blurb where Paul Westerberg was talking about how nice he was. Um, and how normal he was when he wasn't, you know, putting on a show for the public. So, uh, like just making popcorn in a microwave and shit. So it was interesting. He also had a giant compound. Um, I have always admired him
0: for his awesome, you know, iconic compound. Yes. park where it's like his parties and like you know warehouse size closets and you
1: know records album after album that's much that's... much better than michael jackson's giant compound <laughs> yes <laughs> yes all right on all that right. note
0: we we're we're closing up shop here at the savage beast compound in the desert
1: yeah um <laughs> that's all i got it's, uh, everybody it's, follow us let's <laughs> it has its own integratron <laughs> we should talk, do an episode on that sometime. oh yeah oh yeah everybody <laughs> follow us on at, at savage beast pod on twitter go to savage beast subscribe to us on itunes or stitcher or various other services uh please leave us reviews please send us feedback um Oh, I did have one piece of feedback delivered to me via text message from my brother that uh, he and all his friends were hanging out talking about how we were insane for not liking the new Tame Impala. So um, thank you. We've finally been criticized by the public at large. Feels good. We appreciate that. Yeah. Feels good. I love it. Um, I still don't like that album. Anyway, anyway, like I said, follow us, rate us, interact with us, and uh, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.
0: Yeah, and if you either right before or right after this, we'll be releasing our uh, Best of 2016 podcast. So go listen to that if you haven't already.
1: Yeah, this was more news. That's more music together. Perfect synthesis. All right. Hasta la vista.